It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Good morning, America. I'm Jay Christian Adams in again today for Sandy Rios on American Family Radio. Great to be with you. Hope your morning is going as you planned. I'm the president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation, publicinterestlegal.org, and former Justice Department lawyer and current commissioner in the United States Commission on Civil Rights. And it has been a real blessing to be substituting for Sandy Today's my last day. You'll hear from her, I believe, tomorrow, one way or another. Going to have a guest later this hour. You want to stay tuned for sure. A real national figure named John Eastman. Yes, that John Eastman will be joining us later this hour to talk about the Justice Department, the FBI, and all of the shenanigans of late. So you want to stay tuned for that newsmaking segment. But in the meantime, let's talk about education, because there's lots of news in education. You may have heard at the top of the hour that you are going to be paying Harvard professors. Yes, every one of you listening who pays taxes are going to be paying professors at Berkeley and Yale and Oberlin and all of these colleges that are undermining the American dream. All of these academics who are teaching America's youth that America is bad. And you are going to be paying the bill. We're going to get to that bad news in a second. But first, let's have some good news. Some good news out of the pandemic, of which there is very little, but there is some. Front page, today's Washington Times. says, parents find school choice in the pandemic. A bumper crop of polls is finding a surging number of parents want the right to choose schools for their children. How about that? Now, here's the amazing statistic. This is just shocking. National survey of 5,002 parents has found that one out of five, that's 20% of parents have taken their children out of government schools since the pandemic began. One out of five have left the public school system. One out of five have decided that they will homeschool, go to Christian school, go to Catholic school, go to private school, but won't go to government school. Now, that's astonishing. Now, it has a couple of impacts. For one, it means a whole bunch of kids are going to get an education that is free from free from the influences of government education. That's the first thing it means. And it means that they're going to be able to pray in school. 
learn what the founders of the country really stood for. They probably won't learn that Abraham Lincoln held slaves. That's a that's a favorite uh, 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 meme apparently now among public school teachers. Oh yes, you can you 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 can believe what I'm telling you because they're teaching now in some schools that Abraham Lincoln had slaves. Some parents have left the schools because of this false and untrue lesson. But one out of five families have left the government school system during the pandemic. Now, this is going to have a couple of implications politically, one of which is imagine what it's going to be like to be one of the last ones left in the public schools when a whole bunch of students, namely 20%, have left. It's going to get worse, folks. If your child or someone you know is one of those left behind in the public school system after one out of five have left it during the pandemic, it's going to get worse because the lessons related to gender ideology, Pride Month, the right, the Constitution, freedom, all of these lessons are going to get worse because there's fewer people left to stop it and complain. There's fewer parents left behind in the government school system when one out of five have left during the pandemic. Now that means that if you're left behind, expect the noise to grow. Expect the nonsense to increase. But it's one of the side effects of the pandemic is people leaving the public school system. More education news. And this one is astonishing. And that is that you, everybody listening, are going to be paying paying for Harvard professors to teach young people that the country is bad. Now, how does this work? Gov- uh, President Biden announced, as you heard in the news, that there's going to be loan forgiveness for college students. Any of you guys out there want to pay a mortgage for someone else? Imagine if I came to your house, knocked on your door, and said, I want to get a new car. Will you please pay the car payments? That's the same thing morally. It's the same thing for me to expect you to pay my debts. And a a lot of you out there, frankly, the, the majority of Americans, don't bother with college. They go right to work after high school. And yet, those of you who have decided that college is not the best option for you or your family are going to be paying the bills for people who went to college and, frankly, couldn't manage their finances. That's what nobody wants to say here, but it's also true. So $300 million of college student loan is going to be forgiven Somehow, I don't know how constitutionally or legally, but somehow by President Biden. $300 million that people took out so they could take uh, uh, gender studies courses, basket weaving, theater, philosophy of Marxism, or all sorts of other complete useless nonsense in college. 
you are going to pay those bills. You listening now, if you pay any taxes, are going to pay the bills of people who went to college and can't pay their bills. Now, first of all, I'll start with the question, is this even moral? Is this right? Is this fair? If you have an opinion on this, you can call me, J. Christian Adams, at 1-88-589-8840. Is this fair? Is it right for your neighbor to come traipsing across your front lawn, knock on your door, and ask you to pay their bills? Especially when they have the means to work themselves. This is not a case where somebody you know, was in a car accident, has a medical condition. This is just like, hey, I'm 23, I'm young, nothing's slowing me down, please pay my bills. Now, who does this benefit? Let's, let's analyze the deeper architecture here. It's simple. This is a shift of American wealth to liberal leftist college professors and their students. That's what this is. Now, let's, let's de- unpack how that is. Who are the people in the greatest debt? The people in the greatest debt are the ones who went to the most expensive colleges. That isn't University of Alabama. That isn't University of Florida. That isn't West Virginia University. That isn't Texas A&M. Now, those schools aren't cheap, but they're not the most expensive. It's for people who went to Kenyon. Oh, Kenyon, you ask? That's a crackpot academy in Ohio that trains people to undermine the American dream. That's Kenyon. It's a kook school. Oh, yes, Kenyon, I'm saying that about you. Please respond somehow. It won't bother me. I'll enjoy it. Oberlin, another kook school. Think in Ohio. Wellesley, Cook School, believe in Massachusetts. Oh, there's more. Let's put the Ivy League in that list. Because if you've been paying attention, the Ivy League is all about race preferences and anti-Americanism and way worse. Very expensive. Need loan forgiveness. So what this does, folks, is it moves money from your pockets, the taxpayers who are working hard, doing real work, and it moves money first to first to college students who made bad decisions, went to schools they couldn't afford, got degrees that don't have return on investment, and moves money to the professors who taught them to hate America. That's what this does. That's the political architecture of this. It's to enrich the most loyal leftists in the country with the hard-earned money of MAGA world and middle America and that guy out there who's driving the beer truck, stocking the shelves, the guy who works in the tool shop, the machine shop, the guy who fixes cars, the guy who makes America run, or the gal. That's what this does. It moves money from the people who make America run to the people who want to drag down America. That's what loan forgiveness is. It's not fair. It's not right. And it's the exact sort of architecture that these people dream up 
to line their pockets. And it shouldn't be happening, but it is, because after all, it's 2022. It's 2022, and we have to dream up all sorts of ways to enrich liberal leftist academics, because that is the most reliable, the most reliable Democrat voting bloc. It's way more reliable than the other ones you're thinking of. It's way more reliable to single, than single women. It's way more reliable than a whole bunch of other demographics. If you're a liberal, particularly uh, in the Northeast, if you're a liberal professor, which I, I'm repeating myself, aren't I? It's redundant. If you're a professor, if you're a professor in the humanities in the Northeast, at 95% of the colleges out there, I'll exclude a few. Let's do that. Doesn't include Hillsdale. Doesn't include Belmont Abbey in North Carolina. Probably doesn't include the University of Dallas in Dallas. If you're a professor at any other school, there's a 95% chance you're voting for progressive policies. Oh, the stories I am hearing about even places like University of North Carolina, where professors are assigning to freshmen two freshmen on the first week of school right now papers and examinations as to why they should be pro-choice. Oh, yes, in English classes. In English classes at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. want to hear from you. Are you happy to be paying the college debt of people who made bad decisions, went to expensive schools, can't pay their loans, want help from you. You didn't get that knock on the door, did you? But Joe Biden knocked, and he said, hey, American taxpayer, I want you to make college professors wealthier. I want you to have philosophy and gender and queer studies majors and graduates who can't find work. I want you to pay their bills. That's what's happening. I'm Jay Christian Adams. You can reach me at 1-888-589-8840. In for Sandy Rios today, last day. You're going to hear Sandy tomorrow. I'll be on with John Eastman later this hour. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in his image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. 
Today, we pray for David Benson, President and CEO of Fannie Mae, the Federal National Mortgage Association. His office facilitates access to home ownership and affordable rental housing. Hebrews 3.4 reminds us of God's blessings of home. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for David Benson as he works to ensure more housing opportunities in this country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. The parent revolution is sweeping across school boards around the nation. On Tuesday, moms and dads turned out in massive numbers to oust liberal school board members in a number of districts across the state of Florida. Miami-Dade, Duval, Sarasota, Martin, and Clay counties flipped from majority liberal to majority conservative. Miami-Dade is now the largest school district in the nation controlled by conservatives. It appears moms and dads have taken up the call from Governor Ron DeSantis to take back their local schools. This is what happens when parents and taxpayers rise up and say enough. Enough with critical race theory, enough with the radical sex and gender garbage, enough with the anti-American propaganda, enough with woke indoctrination. I wrote a book called Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. I wrote that the key to restoring traditional American values is our public education system. And whoever controls that controls our destiny. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Morning, America. Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. One more day, you got me. This is it. You'll hear Sandy's voice, I think, tomorrow. And it's great to be here. We've been talking about, about the fact that President Biden has just announced that you are going to be paying, you, the American taxpayer, are going to be paying for loan forgiveness for college students, the ones who can't pay their bills, the ones who took majors and classes that don't have any real world impact and importance. You're going to pay them. You happy about that? Is it fair? Has anyone, have you ever gone over to your neighbor's house? Have you ever walked across the street or down the road, knocked on their door and said, hey, will you please pay my gas bill? Will you pay my electric bill? Have you ever done that? I haven't. Pam, you're in Texas. Good morning. You're on American Family Radio. I'm Jay Christian Adams. Good morning. I was calling in to say I'm totally against this, this loan forgiveness. But how can Joe Biden do this? I thought stuff like this had to go through Congress. That's a great question, Pam. And there's an open issue there that hasn't been decided. I can tell you what the outcome will be. It'll be, tell me what court the case gets filed in. Because after all, uh, 
as we know, uh, you know, there are no Obama judges or Trump judges. Remember that line? I won't tell you who said it. But the point is that there's nothing in the law that gives the president of the United States the ability to spend your money this way. There's nothing in the law that gives the president the ability to say, I like to enrich college professors. So uh, we're going to create a system where the American taxpayers who didn't go to college pay for the college education of those who did. I mean, think how, how, how insidious it would be and wrong if you asked your neighbors to take out a car loan for you, because that's what's happening here. Now, Pam, I will tell you, because of COVID, the law may well allow the president to delay payments. In other words, you guys don't have to pay your bills for the next year, because there's a whole bunch of that during COVID. You add to the list of so-called emergency measures that were enacted in the face of the virus. But as far as getting out of it scot-free, there's really nothing in the law uh, that allows the president of the United States to do that. I hope that answers your question. Is there a way that American people can stop it? Well, my I will bet on, my, I'll move my chips to the no pile. <laughs> That's only because I'm a bit pessimistic about anybody being able to stop anything these days because they've gotten so good at rigging the system. Moving money from your pockets to the gender studies professor at Dartmouth, okay? Now, there may be a lawsuit by an organization. We'll see, but we don't know how that's going to end up. Brian, you're in Tennessee. Good morning. Uh, would you like to pay my bills, Brian? No, sir, I wouldn't. Well, what do you have to say this morning? Well, I'm pretty frustrated with, uh, with the college student loan forgiveness. I spent 24 years in the military, and I would be, you know, sitting around watching TV and the news and stuff, and I'd see college, every college spring break town from Virginia Beach, Virginia, down to Miami, Florida, and all the way over to Corpus Christi, Texas, full, absolutely stand-in room only. And college spring break, you know, area, that's the most expensive time for anything, hotel rooms, gas, restaurants. You know, everybody marks their – and I used to sit there and think, how can all of these young kids afford this? I, you know, I, I don't get it. That, that's well, that's a great two point, weeks, Brian. Eight, eight or $10,000 for two weeks. So let's contrast two 18-year-olds, okay? Because I think you're on to something here. One 18- or 19-year-old has gone off to, oh, let's pick, <clears throat> pick your poison. Let's do University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, a very expensive Ivy League school that trains people to be leftist activists. So they go off to the University of Pennsylvania, and they have, uh, what, four or five classes a week. You know, they go to the America's Bad Club meetings. They talk to their uh, uh, basket weaving or queer studies professors after hours uh, over lattes. Let's contrast that college student, 18, 19-year-old, with the one who trudges off to Fort Jackson on a Greyhound in Columbia, South Carolina, and goes to basic training for the United States Army. And they're busting their tail in 104-degree heat. I lived in Columbia. I know how hot it is. And they do this for two months, 
And then they ship off maybe to Fort Campbell, El Paso, Texas, at Fort Bliss. And for the next four years of their life, they're, they're uh, holding an M-16 on the front line uh, protecting the United States, eating garbage like, like lima beans and cheese sandwiches. Okay, And sometimes worse, for those of you who are fans of lima beans and cheese sandwiches. Let's compare these two existence. Let's compare the University of Penn student with the guy who joined the army. And so who should our nation be rewarding more? Who should we care about more? I know what my vote is. And I think, Brian, you have a good point. Anytime you see video of spring break, it only emphasizes the contrast between lima beans and cheese. And I dare say that if I were to go to the University of Pennsylvania website, I would see their cafeteria being marketed to prospective students. Uh, and, and if you've ever been in a college cafeteria lately, oh boy, you want a real meal, get your 12 bucks and go down to campus because it's a free-for-all of ice cream sundaes, omelet bars, espresso machines. I'm telling you, life is good when you're in college. So why shouldn't we all be paying for it for these people? It's unbelievable and incredibly unfair. Steve, you're in Virginia. Good morning. I'm Jay Christian Adams on American Family Radio for Sandy Rios. Hey, uh, just three quick comments. Uh, first, I, I definitely agree this place is an unfair and unnecessary burden on taxpayers, but and especially future taxpayers. Secondly, this does nothing to address the problem of college costs, and that, that responsibility is on the college presidents and board of trustees, and these liberals do not want to address that. Thirdly, I think this is really an issue of corruption whereby uh, uh, this administration uh, uh, is not being held accountable. And, and I would like liken this to the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, and I think there should be something similar called the Foreign Corrupt Politicians Act, because the electoral process should not be uh, uh, used in this kind of way. And all the elements are there in the FCPA, bribery, influence, uh, and other elements, and I think that, that there should be something similar applied to this situation because it is corruption and it is bribery of, of, of voters. Uh, okay. And that is something that the electoral process cannot tolerate. Okay. So Steve, you're on to something. Uh, let's add a bit of news to this mix. College professors have donated enormous amounts of money, campaign money to Democrats and other liberal causes, but particularly Democrats and particularly Joe Biden. So here we go. Pay to play. And you ask the question, who, who, who is driving up these costs? I'll tell you what's driving up the costs in college campuses. Go walk around one and you'll see. Go look at the disclosures, the accounting of college campuses, and you'll see that it's largely big salaries for professors who teach a class or two. Now, you want to talk about a good gig, and I've had some rough jobs in my life, ones I don't even want to think about because the level of sweat that came out of me uh, was, was unnatural. Now, these guys, in contrast, they teach one or two classes a semester. They live 
in, in some of the most bucolic places in the country. Oxford, Mississippi. Austin, Texas. They can go to South by Southwest. Nashville. Boston, especially in September. And they live in these wonderful places. They teach two classes. They have a nice office. They don't have much to do. They get to read a lot. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Okay. But they're making more money, I would venture, I guess, than the majority of people hearing my voice. Worse, they get the summer off. Isn't that nice? They get to read more. Oh, and they get to write more so they can promulgate their propaganda. So this is a good gig. And what Joe Biden has done is subsidize their good gig. It's real simple, folks. It's a little bit about politics, but it's a lot about helping your friends. And there's no better friend of the Biden administration than college professors. No better friend. Chris, you're in Mississippi. Where are you in Mississippi, Chris? I am in uh, Hernando, Mississippi, but I actually work in Memphis, Tennessee. All right. Don't stop at that casino on the way there. Don't stop where? <laughs> There's a casino up there. But anyhow, what do you have to oh. say, Chris? Yeah, so first, take, thanks for taking my call today. Um, so I want to unpack a few things. I think I check a few boxes for you. A lot of what you're saying, I, I would agree there's elements of truth to all that. But there are people like myself, right? So I spent four years in the military to get money for college. Uh, when I got out, I'm a retired Memphis firefighter paramedic now. I've gotten five degrees, my graduate degree itself. I had to run up about $25,000 in dental student loans just because, believe it or not, in Memphis, you don't make a lot of money. I make $60,000 a year as a professor. I worked out at Southwest. Uh, uh, community college. Well, I, did, wait, make and sure I heard that correctly. You work as a professor. I do. Yes. Okay. Keep going. At, at South at Southwest now. So after after retiring from the fire department, having spent my four years. Um, by the way, if you don't know this, the GI Bill money. I don't know why this happens. It runs out after ten years. So I had used a good portion of it, but then it expires, which doesn't make sense to me because I had to spend my four years going overseas and stuff. Um, so anyways, now where I'm at, I'm at a point where whenever they did the student forgiveness thing, and I owed about 25000 still at this point. I've been making my payments. No big deal. Um, I, at first, I was like, that is the dumbest thing ever. Now you're going to put the burden on everybody else. But then the second thought came to me. If I don't take advantage of the $10,000, I'm still going to be paying that back anyways because it's going to be coming out of the, the taxes that I have to pay because I'm part of the middle class that has to pay all the inflated everything just like everybody else. So that part of it, I'm like, well, obviously I'm going to do that. Clearly it's pandering for votes. That's all he's doing is pandering for votes, which is not going to get my vote. But I started thinking about this. And, and to just give it this thought for a second, think about how many scholarships are given out to people for meaningless things, whether it's, you know, you have – a great GPA coming out of high school, or you uh, maybe you could play some kind of sport or you're a part of some team, and you're really not going to contribute much back to society. I went back and got my graduate's degree in disaster preparedness and, and executive leadership for fire. I'm giving back to the community every single day. Everything I put in for the last 25 years, I'm giving back to society for the next 25 years. So there's no kind of scholarship opportunity for a person like myself and you think about how many scholarships just pay for people's colleges already that don't do anything with society. So to a point, there, and another guy, another caller just talked about the, 
the uh, doesn't do anything for college tuition prices. I agree. I think there should be a, a step back and think about where we put our value because at the end of the day, there are people like myself that maybe they have earned some version of debt forgiveness because of what they put back in society. For those students to go and blow $25,000, $35,000 and do nothing with that, maybe those are the ones that should be more held accountable because if you're not giving back to society, really you are wasting everybody's time. But that's just right. my and, thoughts on it. And so an exercise in line drawing is what you're suggesting. And, and I, I understand there's complexities here that we won't be able to get into in the course of a 10-minute segment. But Chris, let's get down to some of the basic uh, moral principles. Could I send you my electric bill? Like if I if I got your address off air, what would you think if I started sending you my electric bill? And I I I, I mean I'm half serious because you know why not, right? Um, yeah. And so we have to ask these fundamental like questions that, you know. before we get to the particulars. Yeah, so I think, though, to a point, it's, it's what, is, what is the product, right? So there's an investment that's, that's being made. The product day. is I get, to, I I get to feed people that visit my house because I can cook. Okay, well, I mean, I, it is a, it's a stretch to try to compare that, but I get your point. Don't get me wrong. No, I don't, I'm like not I sure it's a stretch. I, I think fundamentally some people are having other people pay their bills, and that's, that's not a stretch. That's the distillation of what is actually happening is some people are having other people pay their bills. And, and that is a moral question. It's not just an economic one. And that is, is it right to have someone else pay your bills by force that they don't have a choice in? And that's what we're dealing with here. I understand there's complexities here and there. And whether or not you can do this constitutionally, I think Nancy Pelosi might have something to say. Uh, Ron, you're in Michigan. We don't have much time. What does Nancy Pelosi say about whether this can happen? Uh, Jay, it was in July of last year. I think she was giving a press conference. Um, she said, no, the president absolutely cannot do this on his own. This is something that has to go through Congress. That's right. Thanks, Ron, for that important information. And uh, there we are. So we're going to be right back after this with John Eastman. Yes, you've heard the name. You know the story. And he's going to be right here on American Family Radio Coming up after this, I'm Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. Stay tuned for the one, the only, John Eastman. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, or visit engagemagazine.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live. 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern here on American Family Radio. He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. 
My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When my wife and I first started having children, we discouraged our family members from speaking to them in baby talk. You know, the gaga goo goo stuff. The reason was simple. We wanted our children to speak English well. Baby talk would hinder that development. The same principle applies to spiritual development. If we want our children to be wise disciples of our Lord, we should ask ourselves how much of their time is spent investing in spiritual maturity. Protracted time in the company of spiritual baby talkers will inevitably cause harm. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to. Find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-45 Bible. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. One of the most difficult tasks for U.S. intelligence is anticipating what our country's enemies are going to do next. The Taliban's overrunning of Kabul, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and communist China's biological warfare attack called COVID-19 are recent examples of nasty surprises. Our national security agencies seem no better prepared to forecast the next shoe to drop, namely military action by the Chinese Communist Party against Taiwan, our other friends and allies in the region, or even U.S. assets, personnel, and territory. The party line seems to be that we need not worry about such a threat for two or more years. One of America's foremost China experts, Gordon Chang, however, points out that publicly available evidence is accumulating that the Chinese are actively preparing for war. This appears to be no drill, and we cannot afford to be surprised again. This is Frank Gavin. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Good morning, America. Jay Christian Adams in for Sandy Rios. It's been great to be here this week. Don't know when I'll do it again, but I hope to do it again. It's always fun talking to everybody out there. You should hear Sandy's voice tomorrow. But thank you all for listening this week. I have a guest now. Get your tape ready to roll. With me on the line to talk about the Justice Department, the Mar-a-Lago raid, and all things related to the weaponization of law against political opponents, is Claremont Institute's John Eastman. Good morning, John. How are you doing? 
Good morning, Christian. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, uh, thanks to uh, Sandy's audience for all the support you've given me over the last six months. Well, I, I can tell you that these are people who love the country and love uh, what this country stands for, John. And one of the things that this country has always stood for is a limited federal government. At least that's what I read when I went to law school. And it doesn't seem recent events have sort of uh, upheld that aspiration, uh, if you will, of having a federal government with limited powers and one that acts with caution and reserve, has it? Well, no, and, and those that will criticize it and point out the constitutional limits on their power are now being targeted um, by an aggressive use of and a political use of our of our law enforcement authorities at the federal level. And uh, uh, they seem to be shredding very several parts of the Bill of Rights in the process. And I want to talk about, uh, turn your attention away for a moment from the substantive issues to the petty and mundane. Recently, the Justice Department executed search warrants against James O'Keefe, you know, Project Veritas, someone who undercover uncovers corruption and all sorts of malfeasance. Also against Jeffrey Clark, a uh, former Justice Department lawyer who was working at, at the, in the department. And the thing I want to point out of these search warrants, as people might not know, executed roughly pre-dawn search warrants. And these people, these two people, were forced to, while the FBI was rummaging through their house, stand in their front lawn in their underwear or in their hallway in their apartment building in their underwear. Have you heard that? I, ha I have. The video of Jeff Clark uh, that somebody leaked, uh, uh, you know, and he, he, as I understand it, when they showed up at his door uh, at the wee hours of the morning, asked, can I at least get my pants on? And they said no. And they made him stand out in the front yard in front of all the neighbors for hours while they rummaged through his house, uh, including, including, uh, as I understand it, uh, with an electronic sniffing dog, um, or Roger Stone, or the arrest of Peter Navarro at an airport as he's heading out to give a major speech, and then putting him in leg irons. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, just just recently, uh, the execution of a warrant for the first time in our history on a former president, and then rummaging through his wife's clothes closet. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, they, they seem to know no bounds or no decency. Well, let me, let me mention one thing uh, that perhaps you have some thoughts about, but we've all heard the expression, I think, the banality of evil. I think it was a Hannah uh, Ardent phrase to describe how bureaucrats can willfully execute wickedness without thinking they're doing anything wrong, right? And I think the banality of the bureaucracy is at play here. John, I was in the Justice Department. I can tell you, these FBI agents in charge of these uh, search warrants and raids, they don't think there's anything wrong. They don't think there's anything wrong with forcing these people to stand there in their underwear. I promise you, they, they think it's procedure. Oh, we have to do this for a safety reason. But here's a little tip for all of you listening out there. The Justice Department is governed by the Office of Inspector General and the Office of Professional Responsibility. So there's actually some offices within the department that people, if they wanted to, could file complaints with about the behavior of these bureaucrats, the behavior of these bureaucrats. John, do you think that these FBI staff, that these 
Justice Department, assistant U.S. attorneys who are working with the FBI to do this think they're doing anything wrong at all, or is that just my my view? Well, here here's the trouble. Uh, as we as we've learned, I, I think from the Jeff Clark warrant, from the one that was issued to me, from the one that was that led to the seizure of my phone, uh, the the one that was issued to a, a member of Congress, Scott Perry appear to be coming out of the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General Office itself. <laughs> uh, so so there's, there, there's that problem when the people, that, the perpetrators are the ones that are supposed to be um, watching the, the hen house are, are, are the problem. Look, the, the other thing here that they seem to have uh, calculated around the Fourth Amendment, you know, the Fourth Amendment is written for a very precise reason. Uh, the king was issuing writs of assistance and general warrants. The king could find somebody he didn't like, and they, they'd issue a general warrant. And that meant that the the, the, uh, the customs officers or whomever could search through all of your papers and all of your effects to see if they could find some evidence of wrongdoing without having any probable cause. Um, the way it works now- uh, In America, and, and fourth, in America. Yeah, in America. Man, the Fourth Amendment was written precisely to prevent that. So what the Justice Department has realized with smartphones and other electronic equipment, they can they can list they can list with particularity the the item to be seized, namely the phone or the laptop, uh, and and seize at the same time all of the information on it, which of course, given modern phones, uh, is just about everything. Uh, and then and then they don't have to provide you with a subsequent warrant to search the content of that phone because now it's in their possession. This is the uh, this is the claim. And all they have to do is make sure they're not getting privileged materials, like with Scott Perry, uh, congressional matter that's protected by the Constitution speech and debate clause, uh, or, or Peter Navarro uh, or Jeff Clark, uh, executive privilege materials, or, or, or me or the president's Mar-a-Lago uh, attorney-client privilege materials. But but as far as we can tell, because they won't they won't produce the subsequent warrant, they are searching everything else. That's a general warrant, rummaging through our papers um, to see if they can find something. And with modern federal law being as broad and as expansive as it is, um, you know, they, it, it, it's it's like the old Soviet line. You know, show me the man, and I'll find you a crime. Um, this is this is the tactic they're deploying. And it not only is in defense or protection of a burgeoning, expansive federal government and deep state, um, but it but it is a direct violation of the Fourth Amendment, uh, both the letter. It says you've got to particularly describe the items to be searched, and seized, um, as well as, more importantly, the spirit of that amendment, which is to prevent this very kind of conduct. Right. And the word particular is in the Constitution, I, I believe. I'm, I could pull it yep, out. And- yep. Yeah, right. and know, warrants can only issue, but upon probable cause supported by sworn testimony, uh, and they must particularly describe the items to be searched or seized. So let's let's reframe this for the listeners. In the good old days, and I like to talk about the 1600s when I host for Sandy. I'm sure Sandy's thrilled. But the 1600s is a terrible time in England, and it animated the founders' view of the world. And in those good old days, the king's agents could kick in the door at any hour of the day or night and proceed to rummage through the papers and everything else of their foes, uh, looking for evidence of treason. I'm sure Cromwell returned the favor 
uh, with his with his folks uh, during the, the the revolution, and so so the point is that the government in the old days used to kick in your door and then rummage through your entire house looking for something that might possibly be evidence that you didn't exactly like the king or didn't exactly like parliament, uh, and therefore it was off with your head shortly thereafter. And in the Fourth Amendment was drafted. So before the government could do that, before the government, actually the government couldn't do that. They had to name and list the particular things they're looking for. And it can't be just let us rummage through everything this guy has. But with the advent of technology, John, what you're basically saying is everything you have can essentially be on a laptop. And and it's the, it's the same as your entire estate, your house, your you know, your, 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 your little estate uh, for, you know, the Duke of Edinburgh, uh, well, Edinburgh is a bad one, but you get it, a, a, a threat to the crown, your entire castle. And so yep. now the FBI can seize a laptop and then take its time rummaging through it without having naming the particular items to be uh, sought. Is that, is that what you're that, saying? That, that, that's right, and uh, uh, the electronics is clear. But they also did the same thing uh, with the with the Trump the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And let's talk um, about you that. Know, what, what, how, so, do you, so how do you they're, they're, frame they're, that? Their claim is that he had some document that ever since the 1970s, every presidential paper created in the course of his official duties uh, is owned at the end of his term by the government, by the National Archives. Now, uh, that that involves often a lengthy process. Uh, and the president, under the laws, re- retains access to all of those papers, um, and they are confidential for a period of five years. And he can also, in reviewing them, designate some that are more sensitive, that they should be kept uh, confidential uh, outside of public view for 12 years. Um, and and that process takes a while. You know, things don't turn immediately on at 11.59 on January 20th uh, when the term ends. Uh, you know, there's a process and uh, every president goes through that process. And the president was going through that process with the National Archive as he'd appointed people, uh, what have you. Um, but under the pretext that he had some of those documents still in storage down in Mar-a-Lago, they went in and they raided and they spent hours going through everything. Uh, and the warrant actually authorizes not just the the, the documents that the National Archives think maybe should have been up in Washington rather than down there for him to review. Um, but anything near it, anything in the box with it, anything in other boxes nearby it. In other words, the National Archives claim, uh, which was frivolous on the front end, uh, was a pretext to do one of these general searches, the issue a general warrant, grab everything and then see what we can find. He grabbed their passports. Uh, they grabbed they grabbed attorney client privilege materials. Uh, they, they grabbed what one suspects uh, is probably evidence of FBI involvement in the Russia hoax uh, that led to what I think is the greatest political scandal in our history. And that is the intelligence services of our country, of our own government, spying on the president elect, continuing to spy on him after he became president. Uh, this is the deep state uh, acting as though they owe no allegiance to the elected officials of our government. Um, and I think the president most likely had documents that proved all of that. Uh, and that's what they wanted to get. That's my speculation. But they so did we're it on with John. Context. 
We're on with John Eastman of the Claremont Institute. John, Andrew Weissman, I, I turn on MSNBC and I see the guy and he's a commentator now. He was involved with the whole Russian collusion nonsense and Mueller. And <clears throat> you talk about seizing documents unrelated. When those documents are reviewed at the DOJ, people gather intelligence about political opponents. Now, it's one thing if these documents are reviewed by impartial lawyers. It's another thing if they're reviewed by people who have careers ahead of them as commentators on MSNBC, namely Andrew Weissman. And so what this appears to me is a way to feed the frenzy of the Trump derangement crowd to gather internal documents so they know how to attack the president, President Trump and other people who support President Trump better. And I can tell you from working at the DOJ, it is infested with radical lawyers, left-wing lawyers, some of whom are working now on the January 6th and other investigations who used to work in the voting section. I'll name one name, Risa Burkauer. Risa Burkauer, if I come back and guest host for Sandy, we'll do a whole segment on Risa Burkauer, who used to be at the voting section where I work. But John, listen, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for joining us. Any last quick comments? Well, people need to be aware of what's going on. Uh, they need to uh, demand from their members of Congress oversight of this, a full investigation of it, uh, full exposure and transparency, and then to hold people criminally liable for the abuses of the Fourth Amendment that are going on here. Thanks um, a lot, John, uh, for having me. We're up against the clock. Right. I'm Jay Christian Adams. Uh, it's been great to be with you this week on American Family Radio, guest hosting for Sandy. Thanks, John Eastman, for joining us. I can't wait to join you again. You'll hear Sandy's voice shortly. It's been a good week, and thank you so much for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio.